0: Sleep, go to sleep. And do me a favor. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired.
1: Well, what the hell are you saying, Docs? you bruised half your body sleeping. Uh, I sleep pretty hard.
0: Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories.
1: Hey, it's Brian.
0: And hey, it's Murdoch. Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, everybody.
1: We are the storyguys at gmail.com. If you want to get involved, send us a note or hit up Murdoch at... Hey, it's Murdoch on Twitter. I'm just going to tell you. Makes me exceedingly happy. We got a note from Ashley. Ashley says, love the podcast. I play with weed all day in a medical marijuana production kitchen in Oklahoma, and I love to listen to all the banter. (laughs) Listen, I wake up every day trying to make people's lives better, and if I'm making somebody's life better, who's making other people's lives better, it's like, you know, residuals. I feel very good about that. Yeah. Uh, she also tells us to keep getting off topic and to ride the wave. Love it. Kudos to you in
0: Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, I hope, you know, shouts to everybody that does God's work with you. Appreciate you. Okay.
0: So, My, safe, my safety word, by the way.
1: Wh- what's your safety word? Weed? Weed kitchen? Oh,
0: Oklahoma. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> sorry, go
1: ahead. Say I, I say, you know, to, I, 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 I liked Oklahoma. Reserved. I used to live near Oklahoma, and I would go to Oklahoma some uh tulsa was my spot uh definitely saw some good shows there Kane's ballroom shouts to uh, any listeners we have in tulsa here's what our friend in oklahoma ashley has to ask us oh okay okay she says so i can respect the collective disdain for the eagles but that was the band my parents loved when i was a kid and so therefore i do too killer Harmony's epic songs but I am over Hotel California, she writes. And a singing drummer, question mark, exclamation point. Spill the dirt and help me see the other side. Clearly there were egos involved and they split for a while, but I just don't know much else.
0: So what happened with these guys that make them so disliked? Isn't it a drag that the Eagles' number one enemy, which they probably tried to use the most to, to benefit them, Ended up destroying them, and that's radio, and that's why people hate the Eagles.
1: So, okay, this is interesting right? because, you know, I spent a lot of time researching this and trying to get different uh, different perspectives. I'm, and one I'm of the super things, super
0: excited for this, if you did some research on that, that's going to be great.
1: One of the things that I did see a lot was people would say they were overplayed, which is interesting that that's exactly where you went immediately was to say that it, it's we've just been overexposed.
0: Yeah, and they call it Q burn. I wonder if Ashley is old enough for this. <laughs> sure, she wasn't inside of a radio station with a bunch of creepy dudes in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> But So if you have a record, Ashley, and you're, you have to stop it, you actually stop the motor on it, and you, you scroll, like, scroll the record back on the needle so it goes right before the, you know, the music starts on the record. And a lot of times, if you play that record a lot, it would leave a little hole. And would, they would call that a cue bird. So radio mm-hmm. guys, that's a term that they, that they would call
1: that they continue yep. to use when things went digital too. <laughs> or just other funny. things. And c- continue to call it Q even though there was actually yeah. a reason for calling it Q when it was a record. Okay, so I, first let's 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 clear this up. She sort of intonates that we have said we don't like the Eagles. Have we said that on this show? Do you dislike I, the Eagles?
0: That has been said before on the show. I definitely okay. think okay. so. Okay. And, and I think and I think it's come out because of either one of our experiences from work, for sure. I know I have members of my family that don't like them and that's probably it but i also grew up with them like ashley did and sitting in the back of the car you know my dad wasn't listening to pop music or top 40 music like my dad was listening to country radio and so they had country crossover hits so you'd hear lion eyes and things like that like you know just heavy yeah so some of those songs tequila sunrise yeah I I didn't know what tequila was for the longest time, and I knew that song, and I would sing it. So they were like they were like like some of that. It's like a that's like a beachy song, and that's like it's a yeah. feel good song. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So what happened? Well, anyway, like let's talk about the Eagles. Okay.
1: So first, let me let me say I have seen the Eagles in concert not once but twice, and interestingly one time was literally in the very last row of an arena at the very, very top. And one time was in like the first five rows of an arena and a pretty great experience. Yeah, it was awesome. Both times. Like I remember thinking it was awesome when I was like a football field away from them and also awesome when I could see Joe Walsh's shoes. Uh, It was really, really fun. Uh, The second time, I got to go with my dad, which also made it fun for obvious reasons. Have you ever seen them live? Never seen them. No. All that aside, this is an interesting question because on first blush, it appears to be a query based in subjectivity, which is not typically what we do on this show, right? Typically we are, we are objectively answering questions. We are asking things about fact. So if we're going to tackle this, what Ashley is asking us to consider, I think there's two parts. And one is, is there collective disdain for the Eagles beyond whatever you and I may be putting off? And then why might that be? So here's here's how I started the research. This was different than any other episode. I started the research by typing into Google, the Eagles band sucks. <laughs> and then I hit return, and I got 746,000 results.
0: I, I want to hear this stuff.
1: L- let me read you a smattering of the headlines. Okay, these are actually titles of articles. Quit defending the Eagles. They are simply terrible. Uh, Eagles, worst band ever? Question mark. Why the Eagles suck? Someone, you know, just wrote an essay. Uh, Why are the Eagles popular in America? I thought that one was funny. (laughs) How about this? How shitty are the fucking Eagles? Now, as a control to the general negging environment that is the damn internet, I substituted a few other band names in that search to see if what we might be seeing is just a general display of trolling, right? Because this is sort of what the internet does. And I will say that in most cases, you can find plenty of vitriol spewed about almost any famous band if you let the algorithm guide you. But in a lot of those cases, the snake venom of phraseology like how shitty are the fucking eagles is definitely not at the same level. (laughs) One, One thing that has to be acknowledged, though, is that this kind of disdain, it only comes with a prerequisite, massive success. And you've already alluded to this. They were
0: an enormously huge band.
1: For, for quote-unquote everyone to hate you, quote-unquote everyone has to be aware of you. So here, here's a, here's some stats. Five number one singles, six number one albums, six Grammy Awards, five American Music Awards, considered the most successful musical act of the 70s, or at least one of them. And they've not slowed down, really. Uh, some of them are dead, but they are still touring arenas. In fact, they just extended their... 2022 Hotel California tour, where they're playing Hotel California, the record from start to back. They extended it into the fall. I looked up, this gets sort of close to Ashley, North Little Rock. That's not too close, but it's close enough for a drive, Ashley, if you want to go see them. They're going to be there in November. Starting ticket prices range from $100 to $500 a piece. So we're not talking about a band that's, you know, playing 500 C clubs in their twilight, right? They're still doing pretty damn well. So what we might be accurately trying to describe here is a turning of the tides in perception, right? Like a a divide between the retail value and the reputation. So I started looking for like, how do you explain this? And I had to go to one of the Mount Rushmore guiding lights of the aesthetic of this show. I had to go to the writer, Chuck Klosterman. Chuck Klosterman wrote an essay nearly a decade ago the title of which is a riff on an early review they got in the 70s that we'll probably talk about later. And the title of this essay is another thing that interests me about the Eagles is that I'm contractually obligated to hate them. And in this essay, he says that this dichotomy, this huge success and huge derision is a product of a phenomenon present in most subcultures, but very present in music, which is the clash of an exterior culture and an interior culture. Let, Let me quote him here. Pop music's exterior culture so like everybody that listens to music, is why the Eagles are the best-selling rock band in U.S. history. It's interior culture. The people who are talking about, thinking about, and podcasting about music reviles the Eagles so much that almost nothing written about them can ignore that reality. He later puts it this way. The musical reputation of the Eagles is great, and the social reputation of the Eagles is terrible.
0: Yeah, and that's too bad. God, those songs are good, aren't they? Well, come on
1: it's funny because if you spend much time reading like i actually went on reddit went on quora.com asked the question right why do people hate the eagles and most people will not say that the songs are bad a- at worst they will say that the songs are boring but almost yeah. no one will say that the songs are bad I and mean, i
0: think they're a lot better than the birds <laughs> really yeah i think so okay that's a hot take. Okay, so Yeah, it's a hot take. I'll, I'll take that. I mean, a couple of those bird songs are great,
1: but no. 8 Miles High. I remember the first time I heard 8 Miles High and I kept rewinding it to
0: hear the twelve string. I was like that sounds so badass. The coolest thing to me about the Birds is when they played the Monterey Pop Festival and they were like totally completely out of their face on acid and David Crosby told the whole crowd that JFK was killed in a conspiracy. Like it was a <laughs> And there was a cover up.
1: See, that didn't happen to the Eagles, though they have a, a fascinating breakup that we will talk about. I don't know if you know the story of the breakup, but whew, we got to get to that just for fun, because Ashley mentioned it, and I was like, we got to talk about this because it's good. Okay, here's what I want to point out, though, also about this reaction to the Eagles. It, it, it was immediate. Okay, it was not something that I thought sort of when I started into this, that this is something that's developed over time, due partly to thinking sort of what you posited at the beginning, which is over overplay. They're just totally overplayed. And so right. we've been overexposed, and that's why people now are turning against them. But that's that doesn't explain why immediately Graham Parsons says the success of the Eagles is galling. Quote, rock critic Robert Kruskow, who wrote that uh, original essay that the Closterman essay quotes, or, or wrote the article that the Closterman the essay quotes, will go down in history with For saying this in Newsday in 1972. 1972. So this is very early. Another thing that interests me about the Eagles is that I hate them. Do I hate music that has been giving me pleasure all weekend, made by four human beings that I've never met? Yes, I think so. Listening to the Eagles has left me feeling alienated from things I used to love.
0: It's so weird. It's a visceral response. But the thing is, is that Glenn Fry, I don't think would ever start a bar fight.
1: Well, he's a nice guy. No, no, he's an asshole. We'll talk a little bit about that. Glenn Fry's an oh, asshole, especially to the band. He's he's not nice to the other guys in the band. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. You've got to hear Rhett. this breakup story. If you don't know the Glenn Fry breakup story, it is so good.
0: Okay. Oh, I'm great. So, I had the Glenn Fry cassette, that solo record. So, I, I oh want to hear it. The Heat
1: it. is On. I used to play that as much as possible when I programmed a hot AC radio station. That was like, we weren't supposed to play it regularly. It was just in the library. And I would spike that's another radio term. Now you got two. I would spike that in. That's when you put something into the playlist that's not supposed to be on the playlist. I would spike that in as much as possible because I love Do-do. that
0: song. Thanks for not playing Smuggler's Blues. No, I didn't I did. know what that was about. I did not play did. that much. Until later. But anyway, <laughs> right, so, okay. Ashley?
1: Review. While the average person thinks Eagles make good music, that's the exterior culture, musicians, music press, hardcore music obsessives, the interior culture, complicated feelings about these guys from the beginning. And so to explain that, it's important to understand the setting of this story. Do you have anything to say about Laurel Canyon in the 70s?
0: I just think it's interesting that anywhere you could have a community where people can hang out together
1: a nexus of countercultural activity and attitudes in the middle late 60s and early 70s becomes famous as the home to a bunch of la's rock musicians here's a list cass elliott mamas and the papas joni mitchell frank zappa jim morrison carol king the birds buffalo springfield canned heat the band love neil young brian wilson james taylor jackson brown bonnie wright linda ronstadt Are you tired yet? Harry Nelson, the Monkees, of course, the Eagles. So these guys, not only are they seasoned musicians themselves, which we're going to talk about, they are part of a particular music scene. So all of their friends and all of their enemies, basically everyone they know are musicians. And I don't know, I mean, I actually do know, I know that you have been part of music scenes in your life, and you know the competition among a bunch of musicians, who gets success? How much do they get? Do they deserve it? Did they sell out to get it? These are all constant concerns. And on top of that, this scene is born from the counterculture of the 60s. So to be tame or to be seen as corporate, that's sort of a sin, right? Right. And that is not what Glenn Fry and Don Henley want to do. They want to rock, but some circumstances decide otherwise for them. And uh, here's what goes down. So do you know, like, if there was, if, if we were using the vernacular to say that there is someone to blame for the Eagles, do you know who that person is? Gosh. Linda what Ronstadt.
0: Oh, really? I was going to think about what label they're on and who, like, made mm. that whole thing No, 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 no. Out. So they're all in Laurel Canyon, and she needs a band. So she hires Don Henley and
1: Glenn Frey. They're, they're already playing in the scene. They are in other bands. And they play in her backing band in 1971, Hired Guns. I mean they are hired guns that's not the name of the band though that would be a cool name for a backing band uh when henley yep. and fry get the idea to start something on their own so they're playing with her but they're like we sort of have a chemistry linda's not just supportive she actually arranges for a flying burrito brother she knows named bernie leaden to join her tour so that the three of them can meet they'll go on to recruit randy meisner who had been in ricky nelson's band which is hilarious to me for some reason and that's crazy and poco Poco. Yeah, so here's another thing. These guys are not high school talent show aspirants, right? They they clearly see the business end of this from the start. And yeah. they're good to go, man. And I think people hold that against them a little bit, right? Because it's a little calculated.
0: Yeah, and, and like I think, you know, it's it's one of those things where now this far out, like armchair quarterback from so many decades away, it's like, were they being authentic or was like the gimmick that they were being authentic?
1: We've sort of touched on this before on the show, I think, but there is this rock and roll wistfulness for a musical success story to not carry the stench of stacking the deck. We love a good tale of like, whoops, our passions were uncompromised and we accidentally got famous. But like, you know, musicians don't want to watch other musicians try. You know, it it needs it needs to look effortless. And so when these guys are in this band and they realize they all have this pedigree and they all know some people and they are already doing okay and now they do better and better and better in the music business. Yeah, that's you know, that's gonna create some disdain. That's gonna get people like Graham Parsons to <laughs> to say that you suck. That's not surprising. Yeah, and you don't want Graham Parsons to say you suck. Here's here's something else that I think annoys interior culture about the Eagles. The Eagles did not do themselves favors in terms of of not being annoying. Let me illustrate what I'm getting at. By asking you a question. Do you yeah. call them the Eagles or Eagles? The Eagles. Well, so yeah. Steve Martin tells this story in Born Standing Up about Glenn Fry, because you know, this is what I mean. There's all these connections, like they were hanging out with Steve Martin. Uh, Glenn Fry tells him he's working on this new group, and he's like, I think I might, I think I might name it Eagles. And Steve's like, Oh, you mean the Eagles? And Glenn's like, Nope, just gonna call it Eagles. And that has been a thing that's followed the band to this. I mean, I think they were arguing about it in recent history, saying their name is Eagles, not the Eagles,
0: right? Like when you see it on stuff, it says Eagles, it doesn't say yeah. the Eagles. And, and
1: that sort of general obtuseness—we've ruined it. So I don't know. I mean, they're being this obtuse before the band is even formed, right? So that's just off-putting. So a third thing that I think interior culture holds against these guys is back to the sound that they popularized. This is the thing I kept seeing over and over, even in in recent posturing about, oh the Eagles suck, is this idea that, yeah, the, the songs aren't bad, but they're boring. They're too perfect. Now, country rock is not necessarily new at this time, right? We had Buffalo Springfield, Meisner came from Poco. There's a precedence for the sound, but as I said, the sound is not, what Henley and Fry had in mind when they got together. They actually wanted to do a straight ahead rock and roll band. And so they were like, here's what we do. We're going to start this project. We've got Linda's blessing. We're going to hire Glenn Johns recording engineer for everybody in rock in the late sixties stones, Beatles, Zepp, Dylan. Yeah. Same year. He works with the Eagles. He co-produces who's next. Right. (laughs) So this is the guy you want for rock and roll cred. Here's the problem. Glenn Johns doesn't think the Eagles rock. He actually turns down the job two times. And then he gets called back and he hears them do harmonies. And he's like, oh, okay. Light bulb comes on. He's like, maybe these dudes can do uh, country. So he doesn't want Glenn and Don cranked up front, which is sort of what they want. He wants bass and banjo. He wants to make them twang. So, Glenn Fry will say later, and I apologize for this quote because it does not hold up in 2022. It was said in the 70s. Yikes. Johns was the key to our success in a lot of ways. This is Glenn Frey. We just didn't want to make another limp-wristed L.A. country rock record. Yikes. This tension between who Henley and Fry are versus who they want to be or how they want to be perceived by their peers. I think this is going to drive both some of the pretentiousness and the struggles that define this band for most of their career. They put put out this first record, but they don't feel like these people that they live next to in the canyon respect it because it's trendy and soft. And so this will drive their decision. Let me ask you this. If you're in
0: a band and
1: you don't think your other musician friends are taking you seriously, what do you do for your next record?
0: Oh well, yeah, you make the concept record. That's what you do. <laughs> it's like the age old thing, right? You're like, Ugh,
1: now we gotta tell a story that lasts for both sides of the LP. It's gonna gotta get real high. So this is yeah. this is what becomes Desperado. Did you
0: realize Desperado was supposed to be a concept record initially? I, I did know that, but it's never like stuck with me as much because, you know, like the idea that Sergeant Pepper was supposed to yeah, be one yeah. too. And I think, I think it's just whatever. I mean, it's like, it's, it it's like my, my least, that's my least favorite Beatles. Record. It works. Except for that part in the middle where you're like, what am I listening to? Who
1: invited the circus in? Um, okay. So there's larger aspirations at first for the Eagles, right? They yeah. want to tell stories of antiheroes. Okay, so they're gonna make a concept record about anti heroes. This is why people are annoyed by them in that scene. Because that's a pretentious thing to do.
0: Man, do you, I listen, Desperado is not as ubiquitous or whatever as yesterday. But how many people have covered Desperado? Oh, sure, like, sure, sure. I'm not arguing that it's good. I'm just saying, listen. They, that song, like,
1: everybody.
0: I know, I know. that's what like, worked. It's, so weird but that's, that people cover Desperado. It's
1: all that worked from those sessions. So they, they try to come up with these songs about antiheroes, and all they basically come up with is, like, Desperado and one other song. They can't come up with anything else. So they just lean into the idea instead of being, like, Wild West outlaws. And, there's this night, and then they do interviews, which was a mistake. There's this 1973 interview quote from Glenn Fry where he says it has moments where it definitely draws some parallels between rock and roll and being an outlaw outside the laws of normality. I guess. I mean, I feel like I'm breaking the law all the time. He said that to I, a music outlet.
0: I feel like I'm breaking the law all the time. <laughs> I wish I had could say that. It'd be awesome.
1: <laughs> Later. Henley's going to say that, that this was their it's supposed to be their quote, big artistic commentary on the evils of fame and success with a cowboy metaphor. And then he says, Not quote, annoying. the metaphor was probably a little bullshit. We were in L.A. staying up all night, smoking dope, living the California life, and I suppose we thought it was as radical as Cowboys in the Old West. Oh, my gosh. But despite their best efforts to be pretentious and earn respect, this album doesn't really do it for them. And so the guys get rid of Glenn Johns. Then they make an appearance at the California GM Festival in 74. That gets them some national TV exposure. They take on some new members. Donna Felder, he joins Joe Walsh joins, and the One of These Nights album comes out in '75, and they explode. End of the year, they're on the front of Rolling Stone. You know who writes the piece on Rolling Stone?
0: Cameron Crow. I was going to say it's not Hunter S. Thompson. No, 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 Cameron Crow. Okay. That's great.
1: Here's some quotes. It's not just a high school game anymore. It's a fucking business, an occupation. It's a profession, and it's fucking hard. I'm sure nine to five is just as trying, but their one advantage is that they can leave it at the office. This is a -a 24-hour-a-day trip. It's like cramming 60 years into 28. That's Don Henley. World-weary Don Henley, who is not yet 30. Uh, Here's Glenn Fry. Quote, but that gets boring and unfulfilling, too. There are days when I drive to the office, drink a cup of coffee for an hour, check the mail, watch Irving Azoff kill on the phone, get existential anxiety, go to the cock and bowl to eat, drive to the dry cleaners, drive back to the house, roll a joint, look out the view and wonder what's going to get me up to do what I want to do next. That's the whole premise of the song after the thrill is gone. Where is my next stimulation?
0: Oh my God. It's so ridiculous.
1: Oh, it keeps going. It keeps going. Cameron Crowe for the win. This might be the best thing he's, he, he did even, even beyond almost famous vanilla sky shouts. Okay. Uh, where is the next dream? Now that you've got this one says Don Henley, we were talking about this with Clive Davis the other night and said something. He said something that really stuck with me. Listen to him. Name drop. Uh, Once you get comfortable, once you get most of the things you've always wanted, your universe becomes defined into a little square. Eventually, you get to where you don't know what the fuck's going on outside your own little rectangle. It's like, I got up the other day, and I took my slide projector in to get worked on, and I got my camera repaired, and the car washed, and I got my cassette player fixed. Then Don Henley shrugs. It took up the whole day. Man, that is so weird. (laughs) Ah, it goes on. I've got more of this, even in the notes, but the whole,
0: so in the show notes, you can go read, uh, this archived Rolling Stone article. That band, those kind of band quotes were in Almost Famous. Remember that? Oh, where yeah. It's that, the part of the, it's part of the narrative where all of a sudden you're watching it kind of through, kind of through the kid's eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah of listening. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. like he has, he's really like looking up to them and all of a sudden he's hearing, these kind of like oh, braggadocious so weird,
1: well, Steph. and that's, you know, Cameron Crowe has said that, that Stillwater in that movie is like this amalgamation of bands, right? But, like, it totally would make sense that that this would definitely have influenced that. That's so funny. Yeah, you gotta go read that in the, in the show notes. It's crazy. They're certainly not the first or last band to complain about fame, but there is a certain performed attachment in this interview that I think adds to some of this eye-rolling, right, about the Eagles in general at the time and since. They've been working for this. They obviously we're a little calculated in trying to achieve this as we've already pointed out. And now they're complaining about it. The show is brought to you in part today by our brains hurt. If there is one thing that Murdoch and I love, it's punk rock. You've heard us talk about it a lot recently on the show. And if you need a little more punk rock in your life, if you need another podcast to add to your listening list, uh, check out our brains hurt. Ron and Matt, Both dudes from the Washington, D.C. area. They started this podcast during the COVID shutdowns because they wanted to give local punk bands an outlet to continue to put things out. So they've been at it now for a couple of years. And they have had some badass guests. How about uh, Ben Weasel, Joe Queer, Richie Ramone, Guar's Sleazy P. Martini? (laughs) That's not even to mention... All the other badasses from the local scene, etc. Our Brains Hurt is your very own punk rock audio green room. Each week, Ron and Matt sitting down with a new guest, chatting about shows, talking about tours, discovering records, whatever else comes up. And you can find it anywhere that you get your favorite podcasts. Or you can head over to their website. That's Our Brains Hurt, O U R Brains Hurt.com. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I love talking about rock and roll history. Not as fond about talking about my immune system and my gut health, but if you get in a situation where you... Are having problems with those things? It becomes very, very important. So let's get you in a place where you're not having problems with those things. I say that because Athletic Greens was created by a guy who experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on this complicated supplement routine that cost him 100 bucks a day. And he said, "There's got to be a better way to do this." And that's when he came up with this. It costs you less than three dollars a day. It's lifestyle friendly. Doesn't matter if you eat keto paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, like half of my house, any of that is fine. This will still work for you, and it's going to do things to help your nervous system, your gut health, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, all that stuff. Find out. It's simple. All you have to do is head over to athleticgreens.com emerging and take ownership over your health and pick up a little... Daily Nutritional Insurance. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do, athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Now, back to the show. I I read one piece that pointed out something that I hadn't really heard or thought about before I want to get your opinion on. You know, we normally think of East Coast versus West Coast as a rap thing, but I read something that, that said... There's an East Coast, West Coast thing with 70s rock.
0: Oh, this sounds fantastic. I want in. Who who is it? uh, Okay, well, think
1: about it. Think about it. So let's take the Eagles. L.A., Fat Cat Music Business, Slick. Well, it's a pedigree. The Doors. The Doors are sort of like that, right? But on the other side of the country, you got Bruce Springsteen, who sold entirely on the appeal of authentic struggle and desire and integrity right and i thought the that Ramones. was I, I thought that was there you go but i thought that was really interesting i just i've never thought about that
0: about an east coast west coast sort of
1: aesthetic to rock and roll
0: i think los angeles just is a completely different universe i think yeah. Yeah. i think that southern california becomes a whole different thing versus i think new york's just gritty i mean it's just different
1: here's another theory misogyny the misogyny of the Eagles. Is, is this why people hate them? Curious about what you think about that. I mean, here's the thing. Stop for just a second. Don't even do this out loud. Just try to name five Eagles songs to yourself, not Hotel California. And, and you're basically going to get a bunch of woman blaming in the titles. I mean, they they literally have songs called Witchy Woman. What? Witchy it's, Woman? It's, yeah, it's and, the best it's song. Lion Eyes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, think about all these songs. Sing, sing, sing them out loud.
0: Uh, uh, that uh, that that hoe is wrong. Oh, wait, <laughs> that's not that's not an eagle song. Sorry. Okay, I had to think about it. For to a be
1: fair, you're right. There's been lots of bands objectifying and criticizing women in equal measure throughout music yeah, and rock and roll. Sure. Why is it worse from these guys? Uh, maybe it feels like less of an act because this music seems to take itself pretty seriously, right? So, like it does you know i mean that that may be part of it um so i think we have some pretty decent evidence to purport a theory stating that disdain for the eagles comes mostly from an interior culture music fans musicians industry professionals and not from your average person right and, and yeah. I, I think we have enough to suggest that if we had to narrow it down to a term to describe what these people detest the term is probably lack of authenticity
0: would you agree with that? I was thinking that maybe it was just more. Well, I think boring could be a big thing, a big factor, and then the other factor being that, you know, I, I don't know. It just feels.
1: <laughs> it feels calculated. It's,
0: it's yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess that some people smell bullshit, but I, I think that most people, maybe, maybe it's just a. It's a put-on, man. And actually, people love the Eagles because how do they sell that many records?
1: <laughs> but Well, the exterior culture sells it, right? The interior culture are the only people bitching. So the music geeks, not the average music consumers. That's, that's at the heart of this, right? I think we can at least partially thank the Cohen brothers for the continuation of this attitude, though. Like, we, it might have died out if it wasn't for the dude in Big Lebowski. Man...
0: Yeah. Could you change the channel? Fuck you, man. If you don't like my fucking music, get your own fucking
1: cab. I had a really God rough- do to the side
0: and kick your ass out. Man, come on. I had a
1: rough night and I hate the fucking Eagles, man. Is that the first time
0: you ever thought about hating the Eagles when you saw that? Nah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah. But, 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 you know, I even like, look, I'm going to try to pepper in here every now and then as a defense of the oh, okay eagles. okay i i can't tell you why i can't tell you why no baby i can't tell you why i can't tell you why come on man
1: that's a great <laughs> song i'm not blasting the eagles i'm trying to examine this phenomena of a, of a classic band who sells millions of records and still sells out arenas and why there's an attitude that they suck I'm among just some being
0: people. A de- I'm just being a devil's advocate in a very tactical way by reminding you about a couple songs.
1: Well, listen, I also, like you can you can uh, lump my boy Jackson Brown into this. Jackson Brown is a heartbeat for me, man. Like I love some JB. I was going to name one of my kids after a Jackson Brown song. So like, I, I've like not brought him in because it overcomplicates the story, but Love me some Jackson Brown. And he's a big part of this story. Now, the other thing that I think has continued this attitude, right? So the Big Lebowski brings it back into pop culture. But the other thing that sort of kept the Eagles on people's shit list is, frankly, the Eagles, namely Don Henley. Let me give you some examples. This one's old, the classic. During the three years of intensity and insanity that were the making of the album, The Long Run, I'm reading from a piece here, Don Henley is said to have composed a long memo to the recording studio manager informing him of his displeasure that the lavatory paper in the toilets came off at the bottom of the dispenser and not at the top. Oh my, a memo? If it was meant to come from the bottom, the memo allegedly read, quote, then the little flowers would be printed on the underside of the paper
0: oh my gosh this is so amazing
1: now this is part of the more more of the lore because we haven't really done this like breakdown of their career all the way through but they basically hit this like amazing amazing Pinnacle apex mountain in uh with with their uh, hotel California album and then they are all of a sudden in this uh, this headspace where they have to do something as good. And that's when they go to try to make the long run. And the long run becomes this classic breaking apart of the band period of like 3 years where they can't they can't get it right. Like they can't figure out how to make the follow-up to Hotel California. And so this is during that period. And basically, depending on what you read, Henley sort of loses his nut during this period, right? Like he just he's becomes a slave driver, he's rude, he's ugly to everybody um and he's like losing his mind trying to duplicate the success of hotel california that's maybe the romantic way of explaining it but that comes from that there's a lot more though i mean ha- have you ever heard a crazy don henley story you want to insert here
0: oh my gosh yeah 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 yeah. i wanted to tell you like it right at the very beginning but i knew i would blow it okay here is my don henley is a jerk story so my ex-sister-in-law
1: oh this is like personal
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. This oh, is my a God. Real, All
1: right. Go for real, it. I thought you were going to be like, I read this thing once. Oh, no. This is your, your
0: ex-sister-in-law. Bro, right, bring so it. it. So it's my it's my brother-in-law, my ex-brother-in-law, his sister, if that counts. I don't know. I guess. Whatever. Maybe that isn't my sister-in-law. My ex-brother-in-law's <laughs> sister.
1: You're side in real Tennessee right now, dude. This is good. This is, <laughs> Let, this is the brand. Listen.
0: listen they might have been related through marriage. I don't know. Yeah. But so. Kissing um, cousins. So so she worked at Morton's of Chicago in Nashville and and Henley was there with a a part like in a private room and he had ordered this incredibly expensive shot of vodka. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Just a shot of vodka. And he after the first shot, um, the waitress came back to my brother in law's sister and said, "Um, the gentleman at the table thinks that we're pouring him cheap vodka and wants the vodka poured at the table. Oh my God. So she went and unlocked it. <laughs> Cause they like, it was, it was something like, yeah. it wasn't out everywhere else, I guess. Cause Morton's Chicago too. Um, and then she brought it to the table and it was Don Hindley. That's how oh she was like, God. Oh, it's Don Hindley. Amazing. Uh, she had a shot glass and she poured the, shot for him and he shot it and he goes now that's real vodka (laughs) and she was like man what a penis
1: (laughs) these stories these stories don't stop right this one's from Rolling Stone in 2015 I'm just gonna read a year after complaining about Frank Ocean sampling Hotel California on a mixtape Eagles singer and drummer Don Henley is still bitter the R&B singer had used the entirety of the Eagles hit in his song American Wedding on his 2011 mixtape and this is Henley's quote I didn't think he was cool, Henley told The Guardian in a new interview. Quote, I thought he was a talentless little prick, and I still do. Also, in 2015, at a show in Detroit, he has a fan ejected by security
0: for yelling out Don Felder's name. (laughs) What no wait, what year? What year is it? In 2015. Oh my gosh. Dude, that is like
1: And and listen,
0: it's it's not just Don
1: Henley who's problematic. Glenn Fry says at one point in the history of the Eagles documentary which is a whole other thing if you want to if you want to go deep quote in talking with Irving about putting the Eagles back together in 1994 I said Irving I'm not going to do it unless Don and I make more money than everybody else and you know they did it yeah. so a, a few things before we wrap up first it's not directly related but I've been telling you we need to talk about the breakup of the Eagles Ashley sort of mentions this and it's for good reason because this story is absolute insanity and it does involve Don Felder, a guy who we've not talked a lot about, but he joins the band later. Um, Also (laughs) shouts to fast times at Ridgemont high. Uh, Okay. So he released a book in 2007. There's a giant snippet of that book in the show notes. Go read it. He goes into great detail about this incident that has gone down in history as the long night at wrong beach. This is, after they've been touring nonstop to support the long run. So they get the album done. They go on tour. Glenn, Glenn, without asking the rest of the guys, commits them to playing a fundraiser for California Senator Alan Cranston. Oh, weird. This is from Felder's book. Glenn knew I wasn't comfortable with a rock band doing a show for politicians. His hostility was compounded when Mrs. Cranston walked up to me backstage to say hello, just before he went on stage. Hello. I replied, nice to meet you. And as she walked away, I said under my breath, I guess Glenn heard this. He found me in the dressing room and started yelling at me. I don't know if it was the drugs or the fact that we'd been on tour for so long, but he just blew up. And just before we stepped on stage, I turned to him and I said, you know, Glenn, what you did back there, you're an asshole for doing that. And he replied, that's an honor coming from you. And then we walked on stage and he came over to me while we were playing, which you're never going to hear this song the same. The best of my life.
0: you were trying to give me the best of you. Says, look at the way that we live. Wasting our time on cheap talk and
1: So they're playing The Best of My Love And it <laughs> walks over to best Dodd And he says Fuck you I'm gonna kick your ass When we get off stage Neither of us really wanted to be there that night. And for me, it was one gig too many. And as the night progressed, we both grew angrier and began hissing at each other under our breath. It got so bad. The sound technicians have to keep turning the microphones off until Glenn is actually singing. Because they're worried that Don Felder and Glenn shit-talking each other is going to get picked up on the microphones. (laughs) Can you imagine being the sound guy in the back? Like turning the pots okay. up and down turn it down turn it down i think he's saying oh is he saying best of my love no he's saying fuck you oh oh no bring it down okay he approached me after this is don felder he approached me after every song to rant rave curse and let me know how many songs remained before our fight so glenn is counting down how many songs until i kick your ass in three songs <laughs> so spoiler they don't actually end up fighting but to release the tension Felder gets a guitar tech to take one of his old acoustics backstage and leave it like back by the stage door, and so people are packing out and everything, and he thinks everybody's gone. He goes back and he's like pissed off. It's just been a terrible night. He thinks everybody's gone, and he picks up this guitar, and he he just destroys it. He smashes the hell out of it against a concrete column in the backstage area, and then I'm going back to the book. This is what he writes: By the time I'd finished, it was kindling on the floor. And then I turned and saw the Cranstons standing right behind me, their mouths open. A few feet away stood a stony-faced Glenn. This had had little or nothing to do with the Cranstons, but Glenn thought I did that right in front of them to drive the whole thing up his butt. Within a few days, I cooled down. The phone rang, and it was our producer. And I said, hey, what's the schedule for the band? And he said, there is no band. It was 1980, and the Eagles were history.
0: There is no band. (laughs) Wow.
1: Uh, So I find this interior exterior culture thing to be really helpful in explaining this idea of everybody hates such and such a band. I actually asked our producers, Life and Troy, to give us a list of other acts they think this might apply to. Do you you have
0: any you want to throw on this list? Um, Gosh. Nickelback is an easy one, right? I can't even. Like, they just kind of rolled right through me i don't even know like
1: well, hey, listen they still play arenas and simultaneously they are the punchline to every joke about bad taste i mean i have a friend who makes bourbon because you know living in ducky and he literally aged bourbon by playing it nickelback like that's a thing that he did as a joke right so like that happens but if they come to your town they're going to sell eight to fifteen thousand thousand Tickets, right?
0: They they can bring it, man. They can sell lots of okay, tickets. Okay, okay, others like others Mac. on this list. Creed. Yeah, we can go all day on Creed, man. Hey, did you ever see this the clip of Scott Stapp when he was on the poker show that Howard Stern's wife hosted?
1: Mm, you said a I, I lot of thought, words,
0: no. <laughs> he was he was drunk on TV. Oh. It was like cable, and it was a poker oh. show. And, and it was he, it was a straight to rehab after the television performance. I mean, is is, is this had.
1: just another excuse, like 50 episodes on, to play the uh, Marlins Will Soar song again on this show? I know I've changed people's lives by playing that on this show before.
0: Let's play ball, it's game day. We want strikeouts, bass hits, double plays. Take the field, hear the roar the Come on, Marlins, Come on, Marlins, keep and I'm just saying, we're not doing a Creed episode. <laughs> <laughs> but keep going, who else is on uh, this? Is I mean, Bad, here's a, here were some Nickel suggestions.
1: Creed. Yeah,
0: Nickel Creed. Nickel, Nickel Creed.
1: Creed. Uh, you, I, Coldplay. Because that's that's one that I love, but I do hear people shit talk Coldplay.
0: Yeah, you're a Coldplay person or a Radiohead person. Like, there's, no, I don't, there's I don't think, I don't think you have to be one or the other. Here's a couple more. Matchbox 20? I remember people making fun of Creed, Nickelback, and Matchbox 20 at this karaoke bar one time, and it was very difficult to take those bands seriously after that karaoke experience <laughs> 20, 20 years ago. I want to push you around. Here, here's
1: one that I think is coming back, uh, especially after last year when we did an episode about these guys, but Limp Bizkit.
0: Yeah, yeah. People love them or hate them. Um, some people, and Some people think that they're the cause of the sexual assault that happened at Woodstock 99. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. They, they have that on them forever, I yeah. guess.
1: Uh, one more, John Mayer. How do you feel about John Mayer?
0: <laughs> I guess I purposely have not followed him as much, but I, the thing, I, don't the ladies hate John Mayer because he's a butthole? Like, did, wasn't he, like, not um, nice to Taylor Swift or what? Like, uh, yeah. wasn't there, like, some other st- there, weird listen, stuff? Listen,
1: there have been a lot of good-looking men who have not been nice to Taylor Swift, according to Taylor Swift. So, I mean, I don't know if that pulls you off the list all the way. He's, he's been a little weird, John Mayer, just in the way that he's interacted and reacted over the past few years. But I feel like he's still doing okay with the court demo. I don't know. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, though. If you're listening and you if there's somebody who you think the interior, exterior concept really applies to, uh, hit us up. It's we're the story guys at gmail.com. You can uh, leave us a message wherever you listen to the show. You can just hit our website, too, wearethestoryguys.com, and you can tweet at Murdoch at hey it's Murdoch on Twitter. What, what do we need people to keep doing until next time? Keep telling stories.
0: Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a Story Guys production. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright Boy Have We Got Stories Productions. All rights reserved.